Hello, everyone. This is Cesar Paulos, your host for Everything Bulldogs podcast. Thank you all for being very patient as I continue to the mourn the passing of my English Bulldog McSteamy. All your condolences and messages, as long as your prayers are greatly appreciated. On today's episode, I sat down with Leticia Martinez, a greatly known whelper from Country Girl Bulldogs Whelping. On this episode, we discuss the do's and don'ts associated with whelping, the whelping process, whelping equipment, and many more topics. Stay tuned for great and valuable information after the commercial break. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Inspiring interviews with today's top Bulldog breeders. This is the Everything Bulldogs podcast. And now your host, Cesar Paulos. Hello, Leticia. How are you doing today? Pretty good. And yourself? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come on the podcast. Uh, I know you're super busy with, uh, with with current litters that you currently have. Yeah, right now I've got one litter in. Oh, okay, okay. So real quick, Leticia, if you don't mind uh, introducing yourself to the you know, what your business and how long have you been doing this for? So my business name is Country Girl Bulldogs Whelping. And I have been whelping litters for, I want to say, probably about six years off and on. But I just opened to the public. It'll be one year, June 9th. Oh, nice. Congratulations. So why did you recently uh, just open to the public? Was it because there was a need for it or a lot of people were just motivating you to do that? So what happened is, is that... um, I done some breedings of my own because I also breed my own dogs. And um, I just felt like, you know, this is something that had been tugging on my heart is to open up and start whelping for others. Um, To be able to be uh, with the puppies, give the moms a secure place to, you know, feel comfortable and take care of their puppies. Um, and then I had some encouragement from some well from some mentors of mine. Oh, nice! Hey, that's always that's always good when you have those type of people to kind of push you to like to to open up your own business or open up something that you would really enjoy doing. Um, and you know, and just lending a hand to others is is just is it's important too, you know. Yes. So then, it, was there a big like? when you first opened to the public, like, was there like, um, were, were there some things that you were kind of worried about, you know, in regards to like your reputation or whether or not? Yes. Right? So I think even to this day, being a whelper and being open to the public, um, you still have to worry about, in my general case, I still have to worry about my reputation with the public. Right. Because, um being a whelper even though you give it your all sometimes you will lose puppies and um if you're not careful who you whelp for um 
sometimes you can get the people that are going to, oh, my puppy's died, you know, um, don't go to her. They'll, you know, put you out there like if you're doing something wrong. Um, I would say by the grace of God, you know, even though I've lost puppies, none of my clients have done that. Oh, that's oh, that's a blessing. Like it's like any business. Like if you go on Yelp, right? Nobody's ever gonna have a five stars. Like everybody's always gonna complain about something. Um, there, yeah, there's always gonna be some kind of complaint, of course, with that. Um, but I think that at this point in time, it's mainly just you have to be able to um, communicate with this kind of job. Right. You have to keep open communication at all time with your clients. Right. And, and, and we'll dig we'll dig deep into the uh, communication. But, um, you know, me talking to other breeders, like I've heard nothing, nothing but great things about your guys is uh, about, well, not your guys, but your your whelping services. So it's just a it's a blessing. I mean, it's a blessing to have the, the population and the consumers that just, you know, trust you and trust what you're doing. It means you're doing a really good job. Yes. And so, that is part of the blessing for me is that I do have quite a few breeders um, that support me with everything. Um, and just being there mentally for support is really, really good. 100%, right? The, the mental side of it is extremely draining. And if you have that support system, that's always a plus. So you mentioned that, you know, you've lost puppies in, in, in the past, you know, and unfortunately things happen. And puppies don't make it for various reasons, right? And yeah, things out of your control. So, what proce- what procedure, what steps do you take? Like, if a puppy does pass under your care, like, how do you, how do you, like, what do you, what exactly do you do? Okay, so for me, it starts off with I have an open line of communication with all of my clients that bring me their dogs and their litters. So I would rather be overcautious than undercautious. So if I see a puppy is a little bit congested, running out, any kind, anything, right away I let the, the owner know. Okay. And then I keep that open line of communication, um, whether it means that I am messaging them multiple times a day, talking with them multiple times a day, I let them know. Um, I also, my number one thing is I advise them to take their dogs to the vet, their puppies to the vet. So that way they can get checked out. Um, and then it's also in my contract that if they get sick, they go to the vet, we see what's going on. Um, and then one, if the puppy does pass, I will, it's basically up to the owner what they want done. Um, most of the time, I will put the puppy in a, wrap the puppy up, put it in the freezer. So that way, the owner has the option to take and do with what they want done with it. Whether it be a narcropsy to find out the cause of death. Whether it be to take it home and bury it. Or whether they want me to go ahead and dispose of it. And then it gets buried on my farm out somewhere, you know, under a tree. Right. Um, but it's totally up to the owners. But my steps that I take is keeping in contact with the owners, letting them know what's going on, making sure they fully are aware of everything that's going on. Um, if need be, a lot of my clients come from out of town. If need be, I transport to the vet for them um, just so that way we can see what's going on. And that way they know the severity of it. Like I say, it could be something minor, but then again, we never know when it could be something really serious. So with that being said, for me and how I run my business is that 
I give the client the option on what they want done once their puppy has passed. And perfect. And, and that's that's something that I believe it has worked out for you because the more alert and aware the, the breeder is, like the more comfortable they'll feel they'll feel like, okay, this person knows what she knows what she's doing and she's communicating with me above and beyond. And like you said, it's very important to be over concerned and like under concerned. So any little yeah. thing like I mean, you're just that that's a really good business model to have. Um, now in regards to like sanitation, right? Sanitation, I think is extremely important, but in, in your perspective, like how, how important is it to sanitize, uh, when you're whelping and how often should you sanitize like equipment and the area the puppies are in? Oh, that doesn't stop. So that is going on 24 hours a day. Um, my floors get steam cleaned every, I would say five hours throughout the day um, because you let the mamas out to walk, right? Right. So they get sanitized quite a bit. So what I do, my procedure on that is I let mama, one mama out at a time. They're in the room. They're, you know, the whelp. They're walking through the room and everything. Once they go up, I spray uh, Lysol on the floors and then I go through and I mop. Okay. And then once that's done, I allow um, for other mamas to come out um, at different times. Nobody's ever out at the same time. And then, so if I have four mamas, so then that means that's four hours of them being out, you know, um, then I come through and I use my uh, wishy wash tablets in a spray bottle and then I spray my floors and then I steam mop and then it's sanitized but throughout the day I'm sanitizing with Clorox wipes all of their crates I'm sanitizing with Clorox wipes around the pack and play that they you know that I'm touching each one of them so I sanitize with that um, whenever their bedding, their bedding gets changed every feeding. So if we're doing two hour feedings, that means every two hours the bedding's being changed. Okay. Um, just because they soil it, the mom is also at this time still bleeding or, you know, having discharge. So it's every two hours they're they're getting everything is getting cleaned where the puppies are you know, kept, um, incubators the same way they get cleaned, you know, multiple times a day. Um, sanitation is one of the biggest things. If you cannot keep it sanitized properly, then you run the chances of a lot of germ spreading infections. Um, so you really want to keep everything clean. Oh. Um, so my walls get sprayed. I have an air purifier that's going 24 hours a day. The air purifier cleans in 950 square feet. My room is way less than 950 square feet. Right. Right, right. So basically, sanitation and patience. If you want to be yeah. a welfare, if you want to welfare your own litter, or, or even if you're just a welfare in general, like sanitation and patience is, is key. It's the key remedy. Yes, I would say so for myself. And like I said, I can only speak for myself and what works in my program and how I do things. But I definitely have to be patient. 
and you definitely have to sanitize um, just to keep, you know, everybody safe. Right, right. Um, so what exactly is whelping and, and what are the duties of a whelper, like the basic duties, if you say? So what is whelping? Whelping is where you care for somebody else's litter or your own litter. Um, and the main thing that I focus on is making sure that the puppies stay healthy, the mom stays healthy, that she has milk, um, and that the mom feels comfortable because if the mom dog does not feel comfortable, then you're going to struggle a whole lot with getting her to produce milk, with getting her to want to bond and lay down with her puppies. Um, so you have to continuously encourage and sit there and have patience and love on them. And, you know, a happy mama is going to have a happy litter. Right. So my number one focus point is make sure mama has all her vitamins. Make sure she's been vaccinated before they, you know, before they even consider bringing her or make sure and breeding her. Make sure that she is properly cared for because then that makes it a whole lot easier for the mama dogs. Am I saying that that's going to stop stuff from happening or, you know, no, because we can never guarantee anything. The main focus is that you pay enough attention to the mama dog and the litters that you know, you pretty much know when something's wrong. Um, if you pay enough attention, then you will be able to tell if there's something going on with a puppy or with mama dog. Okay, so very quick so you mentioned the environment like what are what are some things that you should have like uh, uh when you're whelping to to keep the environment um you know relaxing and, and just right for the mom so with me for my environment um i keep them with relaxing music Okay. whether it be sounds of waves. And this is just what I do. And I think that maybe, you know, in my head, I, I kind of picture a dog like a human, right? And whenever we want to relax, maybe we'll put on a little bit of music. We'll turn right. the lights down low, make sure that the room temperature is comfortable for them. Um, and that's pretty much what I do, you know, uh, make sure that they have a dog bed that they can lay on something comfortable, um, and then there's some cases where you can't put a dog bed in with them because they're kind of a little bit destructive. So it just basically depends on the on the mama dog. The first 24 to 48 hours, I spend a lot of time um, getting to know the mama dog. The first 24 hours, they're under anesthesia, so they really don't have a lot of personality. But every little bit after that, you'll be able to tell their personality and what they like and what they don't like. And then once you know what they don't like, well, then you make sure that you don't do what they don't like or you help uh, keep what they don't like to a minimum or away from them. Some of them don't like other dogs, but they're still around other dogs. So in my case, whenever that happens, I make sure that I'm able to cover where they are to where, you know, it keeps them relaxed and they're not seeing the other dogs to get them in an uproar. Um, I make sure that, you know, even at nighttime, I have a thing where it plays waves and it, it has stars on the ceiling. 
that way whenever they're feeding the babies and I know they're not they don't see color right but just to see the little movements in the skies then you hear them snoring and and to me that's just a sign that they're really relaxed and they're comfortable nice so it's not just about getting a getting a female pregnant and getting puppies it's it's about you know understanding their personality you know making sure they're comfortable and just really like I don't want to say communicating with them but just making sure that you understand exactly, you know, what, what they like and don't like. Yeah. And then making sure that they stay healthy, right? That's the number one thing, you know, make sure that you're breeding a healthy dog. Um, just because you own a dog doesn't mean you absolutely have to breed it. Um, you have to understand that it's a lot for these dogs to go through and, you know, to, produce and then to go to a whelper that they don't know it's a very stressful situation so i mean just make sure that you personally um take care of the dog really good before you consider breeding and then once you do make sure that you find a whelper that really suits you that you feel that you can trust um there's a lot of whelpers out there and a lot of really great ones. And so you have to communicate with a lot of them to find what suits you and your dog. Right, exactly. So no, don't just, and this is, I mean, I've never whelped in my life before, but I've talked to various whelpers, right? And you could just tell, like, you could just tell by just communicating with them the experience that they have and how long they've done it for, right? So it's important to go out there and, and, and communicate, ask the question because, like, I believe that there are no such thing as dumb questions. Like, if you have a question, ask it, you know? Yes. And that's very, that's, that's very big for me, personally. Yes, and I tell all of my clients whenever they contact me, ask me any question. Um, nothing is going to offend me. Um, you need to feel safe in where you are taking your litter to. You have invested your time, your money, your mother dog's health, like, um, you know, you've invested, you've researched hopefully and made sure that you're doing, you know, pairing your dogs right to something, uh, to another male, to a study note. So with that being said, make sure that you invest in finding the right whelper that fits your needs. Right, right. So Leticia, real quick. Um, you mentioned uh, let, let, you mentioned the you know the the mom producing milk. Let's say the mom's in a good environment, everything is good, but she's just not producing milk. Are there certain vitamins or minerals or supplements you give the mom, or are there any like um, powder milks that 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 you what goes into that? Yes. So I automatically, whenever I get mama dogs, once they start coming out of anesthesia, so you have to understand that for the first thirty six hours. Um, a mama dog does not have milk. She has what's called colostrum. Okay. And that colostrum is what helps give the babies their antibodies and helps their immune system um, to where they, you know, can get stronger. So once that first 36 hours is over, by that time, you should start having milk. If your mama dog is not producing, if your dam is not producing enough milk, there is a supplement called fenugreek. Now, fenugreek is a herbal supplement. It comes in capsules. You can buy it at Walmart and you can give that. And 
you basically give it, in my case, from what my mentors have taught me, you basically give it until you smell maple syrup on their breath, which means that they should start producing. Now, don't overgive it because you don't want to, you don't want her to produce so much that she's going to drown your puppies. There's also, you know, uh, your vet can give oxytocin, which is an injection to help produce milk. I also give Oxymama, which is a postnatal to help um, with healing after delivery, helps produce milk, and um, it has a lot of vitamins and minerals. And then we give calcium okay. um, that way because it's pulling the calcium from the mom to make milk. The calcium also helps. Um, hamburger meat. Fry up some hamburger meat, boil some chicken, um, make sure the dog has clean water, food down all the time, cottage cheese. Um, Each whelper and each breeder have their own um, stuff that they like to do that they, you know, there's many ways to bring milk in. And then there's sometimes where a mama dog still won't get milk, even with everything. That's whenever you move on to hand feeding. And there's a lot of different powdered formulas. And there's a lot of pre-made liquid formulas. It's like having a real child. You have to find a formula that suits the puppies. Right. Because you could try one formula and it's going to give you stomach issues or they won't gain on it. Um, So you have to find one that suits each litter. And not every litter is going to um, take to the same formula. Right, right. So um, I've never whelped English Bulldogs or French Bulldogs, but I have whelped um, Labrador Retriever puppies, right? Totally different. I mean, I understand that there's a lot more that goes into the English Bulldog, but I I had one person tell me that they should be they should be feeding off mom mom's milk, and they should also be uh, hand fed for the first two weeks. Is that true? Like, do do English Bulldogs is that good for English Bulldogs to do as well, or is that like just a, a big no no? Okay, so for me, I can only speak for me. Um, if I see the mama dog is producing enough milk, then I do not interfere and I do not hand feed. So for me and my, this is just my beliefs, is that the more we interfere and we hand feed, then the puppies are not going to eat off of mom as much. And then you run the chances of mom's milk decreasing and drying up before it should. So if I get a litter of puppies and mom is producing, I do not step in and supplement feed. I strictly believe that the mother dog should be allowed to do her feedings as long as you see the puppies are gaining weight. I do weigh puppies one time a day, but if if need be, like the litter I have right now, they get weighed in the morning and they get weighed at night. So if I need to weigh more than one time a day, I weigh one time more than one time a day. And the owners do get a text message with a picture of the weight chart. So that way they could keep in, you know, that way they could keep track of weight gain also along with me. 
in regards to the weight gain, how, how often you say you, I mean, uh, as often as once a day, how, how many ounces should they be uh, gaining per day or let's say per week? Okay. So that totally depends on the puppy, right? right. Um, I have puppies that within 24 hours will gain an ounce to an ounce and a half. Okay. Um, then you have puppies that will gain, you know, less than that. Uh, you have puppies that will gain more than that. So typically what they, this is the motto that I was taught by my mentors is your puppy should double their birth weight in the first week. Okay. So if your puppy is weighing, you know, weighing, we'll just say five ounces at birth, then by the end of the first week, it should be 10 or more ounces. Okay. Again, a lot of stuff plays into that factor. Um, it really depends on the puppy, how much the puppy can eat. Um, if I see that a puppy is struggling to gain weight, then yes, I do step in and I do supplement feed. Okay. But it has to be like a tremendous, like it's not gaining weight. All the siblings are, you know, pounds and this one's still in ounces. Then we, okay, yeah. But you also have to take into consideration the genetics of the dog, right? Sometimes these dogs that we breed, English, French Bulldog, uh, you know, um, genetically, they're going to stay small. Right. So in my case, as long as I see that the dog is, the puppy is thriving, it's eating, it's gaining, um, and we're not seeing any other problems then I let nature take its course. If I cannot, I'm not saying that I don't step in. I do, but at the same time, I have to limit what, how much I'm going to supplement feed because I want the mom to continue to produce enough milk to continue to feed them because they need that nourishment from the mom. They need the nutrients from the mom's milk. The mom's milk has way more nutrients than we would get out of a formula right right so real quick Leticia, um let's take a pause real quick did you put me on speaker what was that did, did you put me on speaker by so i don't know it's saying it might be on speaker okay just because uh, it, the voice changed so you sound a little bit more dim but it's totally fine don't worry about it we'll, we'll see if it if it continues to work i'll cut this part out all right. So now, um, this is a really good podcast, by the way. Um, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Can you hear me better like this? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot better. Okay, yeah, because I'm I'm trying to I have puppies on the mom, so I'm trying to do it as I'm because I really want to do the podcast. But right now, like this mom, she's kind of um, she likes to be with her puppies, so I just yeah. sit in here and let her be with her puppies. No, you're good. You're good. And we're almost done. Okay. So it should probably be like 10 more minutes. Okay. Yeah. No, you're fine. Okay. So real quick, Leticia, um, what are some basic signs or signals your female can be giving to let you know she's ready to give birth? So with the English and French bulldogs, along with any other breed, um, they do C-section, right? So you got to do, you're going to start doing progesterone testing with me personally, with my own litters. I could speak for myself and with my own litters, whenever I, I do my breedings, my signs that I keep track of are restlessness, 
Are you there? Hello? Uh, the the basic signs that you see are restlessness and what else? Restlessness, temperature drop, um, not wanting to eat. Um, they start nesting, wanting to dig and stuff. Okay. That's for my own litters. That's what I see. Uh, whenever I get whelp litters, of course, I don't see this stuff. So this is just signs that people should look out for. Right. And how do you take uh, like the how do you take the temperature and, and where should the temperature be in, in, in your opinion? I know I know everybody's different, but where, where exactly should the temperature be? So we do rectal temperature. And then I look for a temperature that drops to 98 or lower okay. um, because a normal temperature is 101 to 102.5. So once the temperature starts dropping, then um, of course you want to make sure you're doing progest reverse progesterone testing. So that way you can make sure that you're not pulling your puppies too soon. Just because the temperature drops doesn't mean your puppies are ready. Run that reverse progesterone test. Okay, perfect. Now, let, let's say everything happens, you know, the C-section happens. How soon should breeders deliver their puppies to 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 whelper to you? And should the breeders should they bring anything anything themselves, uh, any sort of equipment or anything? Okay, so whenever I have my uh, clients deliver their puppies to me, as soon as they pick them up from the vet, they bring them straight to me. Okay. And I do not have them bring anything except for kibble for their mama dogs to eat. I provide everything. So every all that's included with your price, right? Yes, sir. Now a lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people like to. I don't want to say complain, but a lot of people um, they question a whelper's price, but they they don't understand that it's just it, everything's included and your time is valuable. So for me, I feel that they. <sighs> It's not that they question the price, right? It's more or less like, um, how can I put this? They question the price only because it's like, okay, well, you know, why is it so high? The thing is, is that us as whelpers, we don't have a life, right? Like we literally are home 24 hours a day, seven days a week, months and months at a time, at least for myself. Whenever I'm whelping, I don't get to go and leave my house. Um, I feel that the price also reflects the care that you're going to get. Right. And this is just for me. So for me, I feel that my price is decent. And the care that your puppies are going to receive while they're with me is well worth the price that you're paying. 
Right. Right. One hundred percent. Like it, and not only not only the the care, but the experience and the communication and everything that's included with uh, with, with with your whelping, like that that all plays into you know the price, right? Yes, and that's why as a whelper, it's um. It's nice whenever we have clients that have whelped their own litters at one time or another because then they know how much hard work goes into it. Um, and then those are the ones that don't complain about the price. Right. Whenever we do have um, breeders that question the price is sometimes it is because they have not had the chance to whelp their own litters so they don't understand all that goes into it and does that make them does that you know is it a bad thing it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just that um they don't know so like i was saying do you recommend like breeders whelp their own before taking their their puppies to a whelper or what's your intake on that i do okay I 100% do just so that way they know what kind of hard work goes into it. Right. Um, and that way they're more understanding with their welfare. Right. So for people that, for people that, you know, want to experience, you know, that well, because it's, believe it or not, it's a, it's a very, it's a very genuine and, and really good experience to have, you know, that way, you know, you know exactly what's happening. So when a welfare is communicating with you, you know what they're talking about. What is what is some of the basic equipment needed to to whelp your own litter? Heat, a heat source, okay. whether it be heat lamp, heat pad, or incubator. Um, suction, whether it be electric or manual. Uh, baby wipes or baby washcloths. Calcium, colostrum, probiotics, and then a butt paste because sometimes they do get a little bit of rash from being cleaned so much. Okay. And make sure that you have feeding tubes or syringe with nipple or bottles so that way just in case you have to hand feed. All right, those are the... The, the the basic things for a whelp, right? Heat source, suction, baby wipes, calcium, probiotics, butt paste, and feeding tubes. Yeah. And then, I mean, some colostrum gel, so that way you can give them that too. Um, but that's basic. I mean, that's a basic, a basic, like just basic, basic starter kit. Right, right, right. Of course. So in regards to that, like, I understand that whelping is your passion. You love whelping and there's a lot of good that comes from it. But is there anything that you personally don't like or wish breeders would, would know not to do? Cause we all, we all have those, you know, we, we, we all get those, those people or, or those, those things that happen. Right. Yeah. So for me, I feel my biggest thing is whenever you I mean, of course, the first few, uh, the first 30 days or 45 days, um, your dog could still pretty much, you know, be out with the pack. Like for the first 45 days, my dog still run with the pack. Right. Um, after that, I think it's more or less that I separate and 
you know, so that way they're able to do more relaxation. And not only that, you're able to wash them. And for me, it's to help keep them away from maybe contracting something that another dog might carry. Um, that way you're not um, contaminating your litter before it's already here by it. You know, make sure that you wash your mom really good. Right. Um, don't take pregnant dogs to dog shows. They don't belong there. Okay. That's the first um, time I hear that. So is it because there's just a lot going on or there's a lot of other dogs? Yeah. Or even if you're taking other dogs to dog shows, don't just bring them back into your house and allow them ne near your pregnant mother dog. Right, you don't know what's up. Um, you're bringing back germs. Right. Um, you can bring back viruses. Um, so just don't do it. You know, don't take your pregnant mom to a dog park. Um, make sure that you're doing the right protocols, giving the right vitamins, giving the right nutrients, giving... Um, Give your puppies the chance before you, they're actually here. Right, right. So you got to take all the you – you got to be extremely cautious, you know, after that 35, 45-day mark, you know, keeping everything sanitized, making sure that your, your mom's relaxed, making sure she – Yeah. And, I mean, keep it – I mean, be cautious from the time you breed all the way through, but be more cautious as the time gets closer. Right, right. Okay. Now – how long should breeders leave their puppies at a whelper for? I know, I know everybody's, everybody's different, right? And some people leave them there sooner, other people later. But uh, in your opinion, how long should, should puppies be with the whelper? And why is it important for the puppies to be there that long? Okay, so with this question, it's totally based on what the owners want to do, right? I have a minimum. If you contact me for whelping, my minimum is two weeks. Okay. Um, two weeks is my minimum. And the reason why I say two weeks for my minimum is you have to stop and think about the stress that you won. You're taking puppies out of, um, out of a location where they have been, it's been controlled, um, kept sanitized. I'm not saying that you're not going to keep sanitized, right? But what I'm saying is you're taking them from one location to a next and their immune systems still are not very strong at one week. Right. At two weeks, they're a little bit stronger. Um, typically, my clients leave their litters here for four weeks. And, that's and by four weeks, the puppies are already eating mush, still eating off the mom, going to the bathroom on their own. Um, mom's milk is already decreasing. Um, so for that question, it's typically based solely upon what you and your breeder discuss, you right. know, whelper to breeder. And with that being said, there's really no right or wrong on how long to leave them. It's typically if you want to take the chance and haul your puppies out at one week, then that's something that you have to take full responsibility for. Right, right. So then is there a max amount of weeks or, or if, if, a, if a breeder wanted you to welcome for eight weeks, is that something that you, that you would do? Um, I won't say that I won't do it. Um, I will do it. Of course, with that, then there comes, you know, potty training and all of that. Um, 
so and the socialization right. and all of that um i have kept litters longer than four weeks um but at the same time i feel that at a certain time the breeder needs to be able to you know get hands-on right right and, and it totally makes sense especially if like I personally believe that the breeder should be responsible for the whole socialization part and, and, you know, and I mean, and kind of, you know, take care of the five, six, seven, eight week mark, you know? Yeah. That's just, that, that's just me. So I've kept them. I've kept litters for six weeks. I've kept them for five weeks. Um, and I socialize with them, right? Like I come in and I play with them. And even whenever they're, you know, three weeks, four weeks, still learning, uh, because they start, you start the socialization process really early on puppies. And, um, you know, that's why I sit in my whelp room and I will let mama dogs sit with their puppies in the pens. Um, so that way they are able to get the socialization with, because they learn from the mom. Right. So it's not just about putting a mama dog in there, feeding them and taking the mama dog out, cleaning the puppies. No, it's the mom's got to learn how to be a mom. They got to learn how to clean them. The puppies go up and they start tugging on mom's lip and mom starts playing with them. They all got to learn this stuff. And so you have to allow the moms to be a mom to these puppies. And I feel that that's where, um, you know, sometimes there are not enough um, socialization between mom and puppies. So that's why I always um, let everybody know that this is something that needs to be done. Like um, the puppies learn from her. They learn, you know, uh, they get to learn pretty much. It's like a mom and a kid, you know, um, you're, if you have a kid, the mom teaches them what to do and what not to do. And she scolds and corrects them. Dogs are the same way. Right. And so that's a major part of, um, this whole whelping thing is I was taught by my mentors that let a mama dog be a mama dog. Right. Only step in if you need to. Yes, I don't leave moms with them 24 hours a day because obviously I have to eat. I have to get some kind of naps in. But majority of the time is spent in my whelp room with taking turns, letting mom and dogs sit in their play in their pens, you know, and just be moms. Right. And, and that's extremely crucial for the, de- the, you know, the development, their development, their socialization. And at the same time, like you said, like, the less you interfere as a person, like the better these dogs are going to be, you know, in their development, you know, until the day they go home with their, you know, with, with their new owners. Right. So w- when breeders pick up their puppies to take home, do you recommend any supplements or medications to keep the puppies healthy and on the right track? Medications? No. Um, what I do recommend is for them to still give probiotics. Um, and to give a good puppy food, you know, uh, you shouldn't have to do no medications unless your puppies are sick. Right. 
But rather than that, I mean, as long as you're feeding them properly and on time and you have to remember genetics play a really good part in how your puppies are going to develop and how they are going to look. Um, so you have to just remember that. And remember, they're just puppies. So, I mean, they have to be understanding that a puppy is not going to look like a full-grown dog, you know, or as good. So puppies do look nice, and, and it's based on what the breeder wants to do. Um, I can, Once they leave my care, I can't tell a breeder, hey, you need to put this and this and this. Now, if they say they want to stay on the same regimen that I use and the same food, the same, you know, same, you know, everything that I put in supplement-wise, then I do give them the list of my ingredients and I do walk them through how to make my mush. And that way they can continue on whenever they have their litter. Perfect. Now, Leticia, are there any last-minute information or shout-outs or anything you'd like to say before we uh, conclude this podcast? Well, I just want to tell you, thank you for contacting me and giving me the opportunity to do this podcast with you. And then um, just a big thank you to all of my mentors for, you know, believing in me and pushing me um, and giving me the confidence that I need to continue to fulfill my passion, um, to be able to bring in these babies and um, nurture them and nurture these mama dogs. Um, yes, I do the work, but without having good mentors, um, but most of all, without having my number one fan, which is my husband, um, that's my backbone. Like um, he is my biggest supporter of it all. And so I think having a really big support system as long, you know, along with your whelpers is what makes a really good, you know, along with your mentors, I mean, is what makes a really good team. Perfect. And, and Leticia, just thank you for the compliments. I, I really appreciate that. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on. This, this was extremely valuable information. And a lot of the people on the podcast are going to learn from this. Thank you so much. Hey, what's up, everyone? If you would like to give Leticia a follow, you could do so by following her on Instagram at country underscore girl underscore bulldogs underscore whelping. Don't forget to give Everything Bulldogs podcast a follow on Instagram and Spotify for great future content.